just when you thought there was no hope for baby boomers. It's the Rational Boomer Podcast. Logic. Common sense. Compassion. Yeah, who knew? Now, here's Mike. Well, here we are, the debut program of the Rational Boomer Podcast. Took a little preparation, but honestly, it was a lot more procrastination. That's how I do things. You know, I get an idea. I want to do it. I really believe it's going to work. But somehow I feel like I got to wait till that perfect moment. Well, the fact of the matter is there is no perfect moment. and I should just jump into it. But that's me. I'm 61 years old. That's probably not going to change. But the good news is, like when I want to write, I hate starting writing. But when I start writing, then I can't stop. And the same thing will be with this podcast. Once it gets rolling and once people are listening, then I'm not going to have a problem. I'm going to be able to sit down and whip these things out very quickly. So I'm excited for that. Some of you may know, and if you don't, I'll tell you, I spent about 40 years in the radio business. Most of my life I spent in the radio business. So I'm very accustomed to sitting in front of a microphone, talking to nobody, and uh, trying to go with stream of consciousness, if you will, talking about a variety of topics. Now, a lot of you got to know me through TikTok or through Instagram or YouTube or Facebook or even LinkedIn. But in real terms, those platforms are nice, but this is where I feel the most comfortable. This is where I've had my most experience. And this is where I think I can do my best work. Now, I will tell you this. The things that I had to worry about with TikTok and video and all this other stuff is I had to worry about lighting. I had to worry about what my face looked like. And frankly, I've got the perfect face for radio. So that was a lot of work. And lastly, it was about what I wore. There was always some clown that said, yeah, you wore that shirt yesterday. No, I didn't. I did the same video on the same day. Shut up. But now I can look whatever I want. My hair can be messed up. I can be in my underwear if I want to. The lighting doesn't matter. So I'm excited for that. I can focus on what I'm saying and what we're talking about. Now, I will continue to do the TikToks and some of the other things uh, because I enjoy doing it. What my experience was in radio uh, fits very well with TikTok, particularly because it has to be fit in a 60-second scope. And in the radio business, I had to do that a lot with reports and commercials and PSAs and that sort of thing. So I'm very experienced in taking a story, compacting it down, and fitting it in 60 seconds. And I'll be perfectly honest with you. I'll be able to talk about some things on TikTok. It'll be good promotion for the podcast. And then you can come to the podcast and hear longer versions of similar subjects. So that'll work out quite nicely for me. I know some people say, well, don't quit doing TikTok if you're going to do the podcast. Oh, no, I'm not going to do that. I'm very lucky that uh, the TikToks and the YouTubes and things like that are very easy for me as far as coming up with content. (laughs) I tend to talk a lot. And I think a lot. And I basically watch what's going on in the world and I try to compress it down into some simple terms so that it can be explained. I think the one thing that the media is guilty of is, first of all, they don't know what journalism is. And journalism is quite simply taking the facts, 
delivering them to you, and you deciding what you think. It doesn't happen anymore. They take the facts, they convolute it, they sell it to you, and get you to think like they do. That's not journalism. That's entertainment. So when you're watching the news, chances are you're not watching the news. I mean, if you're old enough to remember Walter Cronkite, he would be rolling over in his grave. He was the most trusted man in America. He was a newsman, and he just spewed the facts. We don't see that anymore. Now, I'm not going to suggest that I'm going to be Walter Cronkite in doing what I do on TikTok, uh, YouTube, or even here on the podcast, because I do try to deliver the facts to my best ability, but I will throw in my opinions, and that's because I'm not Walter Cronkite. I'm not a newscaster. I'm a guy doing a TikTok. I'm a guy doing a podcast, but I do want you to have the facts so you can make some informed choices, and if you disagree with me, that's fine. But if you disagree with me and you're a stupid asshole, then you're gone. It's as simple as that. I don't mind if you disagree with me. I hope you do. But I want you to be intelligent about it. Don't spew conspiracy theories. Don't talk to me about made-up shit. You might be able to change my mind if you have some facts and some figures that I'm just not aware of. So don't be afraid of doing that. By all means, I'm ready to have my mind changed if it makes sense. I've been married 37 years. I've been having to change my mind a lot in that period of time. So anyway, as I said, I spent 40 years in radio and I've done pretty much everything you can do in radio. I've been a disc jockey. I've been a play-by-play announcer. I've uh, done news. I've sold advertising and I've done traffic. Now, When I was in my late 20s, I had a radio station that I worked with very closely at one time in the past, and they said, Mike, we have a contract with the Department of Transportation, and we'd like you to do the traffic reports. And I thought to myself, oh, shit, I don't want to do traffic reports. That's boring as shit. But here's the deal. I just sold a recording studio that I owned. I needed a job. I needed some money because I had a young family. I had a house. So I took the job. The way they sold it to me was this. Well, the Department of Transportation has cameras all over the freeway system. All you have to do is sit down, watch the cameras, and essentially do play-by-play of traffic. That made sense since I had a play-by-play background, and that's pretty much what I did. Now, to be honest with you, once I got started in doing the traffic, it was boring. But after a time, I realized that I was doing something a little different than what the other traffic reporters were doing. I had no time limitation in my reports. I was there to give all the information I had every 10 minutes. Now, that gets a little tedious. I'll I'll give you that. But the reason the Department of Transportation was paying this radio station to do these traffic reports is because they figured it would help manage traffic better. Most traffic reports are just a couple of quick things with no real information and a commercial. This was more informative, and if people were running into problems, they could divert around it. And MnDOT presumed that that would help traffic flow better. And frankly, it did. But I did that a long, long time. And I have to say, it did become tedious. It did become boring. And uh, I, I, I grew to not like it very much. But I'm in a situation, I got to feed the family, I got to keep the house in order. So I kept doing it for a long time. And I 
you know, I had a lot of successes with it, and, and, and I had some fun with it at times, too. But I was really bored with it. And so at one point, this may surprise you, because this isn't my first podcast. While I was doing the traffic reports, the whole concept of pod, podcasting came out. And I thought, man, this is intriguing. And I will tell you this, I'm not Nostradamus. But when I heard those podcasts were coming out, I said, you know what? At some point, podcasting is going to overtake radio because it's portable, it's on demand, it's different than radio. And so I said, you know, I'm going to do some podcasts. Well, at that point, nobody really knew what a podcast was, but the infrastructure on the internet was there to do it. So I said, screw it, I'm going to do this. And I did. I created a few different shows, three or four different shows. For one show, I did something I wanted to do, and I did a show with psychics. And that was interesting. I believe there are psychics out there that are real, but I also believe there are psychics out there that are just bullshit. And I would interview psychics on the air, and I tended to ask, you know, pointed questions. Some of them, they were fine with it. Other ones got a little pissed. (laughs) So I had fun with the show. But I irritated some people, and I kept doing it. Um, I also did a show with a group of Ghostbusters. That was really interesting and actually kind of compelling at some points. We'll talk about that later. Uh, But um, that was a little harder because I had to do remote broadcasts. We were doing hauntings and all that kind of stuff. But it was kind of interesting. I also did a money show with a friend of mine who was a money expert. Did some other shows, and it was kind of interesting. But the problem was, this wasn't the point where people really knew what podcasts were. I was getting listeners, but there really was no way to get big amounts of listeners. And there certainly was no way to make any money. And I had a young family, I had a job, and I had to focus on making money. So I let that go by the wayside. But in the back of my mind, I always thought, man, I want to do another podcast. It's a great thing. It's so freeing. You got no guy in a suit telling you what you have to do or say. Because I always hated that. I always kicked back against that. And fortunately, I was in positions where I would get away with it. But it's still a problem. So now, all these years later, I'm doing the TikToks and uh, doing the rational boomer thing. And I think to myself, you know, I could turn this into a podcast. That might be kind of fun. So that's why we're here. That's why we're doing what we're doing now. Now, please understand that I'm not the rational boomer. That was not my intention when I started this whole brand, I guess you will, the rational boomer, TikTok, rational boomer, uh, podcast, YouTube, whatever. The thing is, I was hearing a lot about younger people saying, okay, boomer, boomers are crazy, they're Trumpers, they stole everything from us. They made boomers out to be bad people. Now, I will tell you, I know a lot of boomers who fall into that category. Yeah, they do. They're dickheads. They're idiots. They're rednecks. But I knew I wasn't like that. And I knew there were other people out there that weren't like that. So the idea about the rational boomer was essentially to bring together (laughs) those people of a like mind or 
sensible or rational people that happen to be a vintage similar to mine. And in doing the TikToks, I found I was right. Because there's a lot of you out there. Now, there's a lot of young people out there as well. And I really appreciate that. Because, you know, when I was, when I was very young, in my 20s, I had a father that was pretty much out of my life. And when you're in your 20s, you're trying to learn some things, catch on to some things. You got to fix a house. You got to deal with problems. And it was always important to me to go to somebody older who's actually experienced these things and get some advice. They know things I don't know because they've already been through it. Couldn't go to my dad. So I went to some older people I worked with or knew. And I thought in doing something like this Rational Boomer podcast, I and maybe some of you might be able to help some of these young folks out too. It's a scary world out there, man. You get your first house, the uh, pipe starts leaking, what do you do? You need a new furnace, what do you do? Your kid has a cold or some kind of sickness, what do you do? If you have no one else to go to, I wanted to be a spot where those young people could come too. I mean, mostly what we're going to be dealing with here is boomers or people in and around that age group, maybe even Gen Xers. Because we're all older, we all have nostalgic memories, and we all have life experiences. But those young people need some help too, and if we can be of some service to them, by all means, I want to do that. Now, I've done a lot of things in my life. You know, I worked in radio, um, and for a period of time, I worked in the music business. I had a recording studio that was Kitty Corner from First Avenue right in the early 80s, 81, maybe, something like that. And uh, the reason I put together that recording studio had nothing to do with music because my background was in radio and because I had a background as a production director in radio stations. The whole point of the studio was to produce radio commercials, PSAs, TV commercials, slideshows, that sort of thing. And that's what we did. But I got to tell you, man, that was a tough, tough business. There was a lot of competition and uh, dealing with some of these ad agencies wasn't exactly the easiest thing in the world. So as I'm sitting there in this studio, Kitty Corner from First Avenue, the whole Minneapolis sound starts to break out. Yeah, it starts getting crazy. It starts getting absolutely crazy. Prince is emerging. Then Purple Rain is filmed essentially right in front of my building. And people are going nuts. All of a sudden, Minneapolis became the mecca for music of anywhere in the country. And we had kids and musicians coming in from all parts of the country. So one thing you find out about musicians, if they haven't made it as yet, they are desperate to do what they do for a living. And they'll do whatever it takes to get it done. So they see this city of Minneapolis starting to explode and they all come here. They all have stories, and they are all the most talented person you could possibly meet. One day, I get somebody who comes in the studio and says to me, Mike, do you do music stuff? Now, you have to understand, I am not at all musically inclined, never have done any kind of music stuff, but business is uh, tough. I need the money. I said, hell yes, I do music. So I started doing some music. It's funny, that's how I always get into a lot of things. I don't know what I'm doing. I just want to do it. I jump headfirst in, 
and hope to God I can fake it till I make it and ultimately, hopefully, try to get good at it. And that's what I did with the music business. I was desperate to make a buck. It was an opportunity, and I had no idea whether it was going to work for me or not, but I said, screw it, I'm going to give it a try. And I did. So I started working with some lower-level musicians, and that was, you know, was going okay, still doing commercials and PSAs and all that kind of stuff. But then it really started to explode in the Twin Cities, and uh, I got some higher-level people here, people that were or had worked with Prince or working with bands that were actually getting some notice, and then I started working with them. Then I made some connections in Los Angeles, and then it kind of exploded from there. I was able to cut some deals in Los Angeles, get some record deals or publishing deals or that sort of thing. So that was a whole part of my life. But then we got a problem there, too. (laughs) I'm in my mid to late 20s, got a young family, got a house. And I got musicians calling me 24 hours a day demanding the stupidest shit you could possibly ask for. I got to go places and leave my wife behind, and she wasn't liking it that much. To be perfectly honest with you, the music business was probably the most cutthroat, dirty business I'd ever been in. And I've got some stories for that as well, which I will tell you at some point during this podcast. So I ended up getting out of that, and that's when I took the job as a uh, traffic reporter. I'm just a guy who grew up in the Midwest, Minneapolis, spent a short time at a shitty station in Arizona when I was 19. A ton of stories there. That was like living in a sitcom. You won't even believe that. Till the point I got into a business where I'm kind of brokering large loads of products. It could be wholesale, closeout, that sort of thing. And that became easier for me because I could work from my home deal with people who had sources of products and other people that had buyers of products. I'd put them together, work the deal, and that would be it. I kind of enjoyed that. Unfortunately, there's a lot of bad people in that business, too. It seemed everywhere I go, I'm dealing with slimy-ass people. (laughs) And I, I still do that to a certain extent, but I've grown kind of tired of it. And I told my wife, I said, look, we're pretty much retired. We got our pensions. We're comfortable. I'm just going to do this TikTok thing and podcast. And of course, she looked at me like, what the fuck are you talking about? I tell other people, what the fuck are you talking about? See, here's the thing. Anybody I told I was going to be on TikTok, they looked with disdain at me. They thought, oh, you're a 60-year-old guy and you're going to go on TikTok. How stupid. Nobody's going to listen to you. And frankly, when I went on TikTok, I had no idea anybody would listen to me. But again, it goes back to what I said before. I'm ready to jump headlong into something and see what the hell flushes out. And I was very surprised to see that very quickly I was getting a following because my assumption was right. There are other rational boomers out there. And a lot of those people don't feel comfortable about saying what they believe because they have bosses, they have other people in their families, and they don't want to deal with the ridicule. They don't want to put themselves out there. Well, my whole life I've been putting myself out there. And as far as spewing my opinion and worrying about uh, what other people think, well, I honestly don't give a shit. So I thought, well, maybe I can provide a service for some of these people that are like me that don't feel as comfortable about talking about it. So here we are. 
Now the show itself, you know, one of the, one of the mistakes I think a lot of radio people make when they get into podcasting, they try their hardest to recreate a radio show in the podcast. Not going to do that. If you want to listen to a radio show, go turn on a radio. The fact of the matter is podcast is a different thing. It's more personal. It's more conversational. It's more easygoing and less slick. And like it or not, that's how this is going to be. It's going to be about me talking and maybe you talking as well. Because, see, that's the important thing for me about this podcast. Now, I can come on here every day if I want to for a half hour, 40 minutes, and pontificate. Trust me, I can do it. But that's going to get a little boring. I could get some guests, but those won't come until I have a certain amount of listeners and people actually want to be on the show. And then it's a matter, who do I want on the show? You know, we get a lot of these podcasters, the others podcasters, and it's all incestuous. You go on my podcast, I'll go on your podcast. And the only point to doing that is they can promote their podcast and I can promote mine. I'm not going to do that. Now, there might be some people that are on TikTok or have podcasts that I respect and have some good insights and opinions. I may talk to them, but I'm not going to play that game. When I went on TikTok, I didn't. I said, look, all I'm going to do is what I want to do, and we'll see what happens. Let the chips fall where they may. And that's pretty much what I did. And it works so far on TikTok and YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, all of that shit. So that's what I'm going to do here on the Rational Boomer podcast. But what I'm getting at is, is that it's important for me, for you to participate in this. As I said, I'm not the Rational Boomer podcast, uh, Rational Boomer. I am a Rational Boomer. There's a bunch of you out there that have great insights, great thoughts, and I'd like to hear those because I don't know everything. I may act like it, but I don't. <laughs> My wife has pointed that out to me many, many times. Anyway, I want you to ask questions. I want you to make comments. And I want you to disagree with me if you feel so compelled. I mean, that's the whole way any of us learn anything. You have one view. I have one view. We have an intelligent conversation. And maybe we hash this out and come up with the real answers. That's what I'd like to do. And I am going to count on you to make those comments comments and questions and be part of the show. Now, the show itself is going to be pretty much like TikTok, YouTube, kind of maybe, maybe more because we have more time. I do talk a lot about politics and politics are important to me. And people say, why are you so worried about this? Who cares what you think? Well, I tell you what, at 61 years old, essentially retired, no matter who's president, no matter who's in Congress or what's going on, I'm really not going to be affected. It's not going to impact me at all. I could just sit back, shut up, and not do anything. But the fact of the matter is I have kids, and I have grandkids, and uh, I'm worried about what they're going to be left with when I'm gone. And whether I can do something about it or not, it's incumbent on me to try. To use my First Amendment right to speak my mind, get an idea, uh, give my input. And by doing TikTok and YouTube and podcasting, 
Maybe I can influence others who in turn will influence others, in turn will influence others. And that's where real change is made. So we're going to talk about politics here because politics has become a hotbed of news in the last four years through Donald Trump. You know, somebody said to me, well, when Donald Trump's gone, you won't have anything to talk about. Oh, hell no. We got plenty to talk about. First of all, we're not done with Donald Trump because we've got the whole legal aspects to him and the people around him. But I think people are mistaken when they think, I hate Donald Trump. So I must love Joe Biden and the Democrats. Here's the thing. I've never been a big fan of the Republicans or the Democrats. Both of them have done bad things for this country. Both of them have ignored the middle class and taking care of us. It just so happened that in order to get Donald Trump out of office, we needed the Democrats and we needed Joe Biden. I didn't think Joe Biden was the best choice for president. But now in retrospect, I think he is the best choice for the time. And the reason is because he's not going to be here for more than four years. He doesn't have to campaign for 2024. So he can do whatever he wants without worrying about whether he's going to get reelected. And I honestly think Biden is honest. I think he's sincere, and he think he wants to do some good for this country. And in his position, he has a great opportunity to make a big mark on this country. Because of those things and the low bar that Donald Trump left us, I think Joe Biden has the potential to be maybe the most beloved president of our time. People loved Obama, and why? Well, because George W. Bush left us in a shithole economically, and Obama pulled us out, tripled the, uh, tripled the stock market, got more jobs. Now, Obama missed out on a lot of things. He wasn't our greatest president, but he was classy. There were no scandals, and he made people feel good. But I think Obama could have done a lot more in his situation. But that's neither here nor there because that's all over with. Now Joe Biden's in. He's got nothing to lose. He's got nothing to campaign for. He just wants to leave this country better than he found it. And I, I, I sincerely believe that. And if he does do that, it's going to do us a lot of good. It's going to change the whole system. You see, we've been stuck in this system literally for decades. The Democrats want to do certain things, and all the Republicans do is obstruct and block everything. So nothing gets done. We keep paying taxes. We keep sending our money, but we get nothing in return. The only people that make money on this deal are the people that are rich or the people that run corporations. And the reason they get the money is because the Republicans get paid by the rich people. They line their pockets to make sure they stay safe. The other thing is the military uh, industrial complex. We spend way more on uh, defense than any country, any multiple countries in this world. It's not necessary, especially given who we are and where we are. But why do we do that? Well, again, the military industrial complex lobbies and sends Congress a lot of money. So they always give them a lot of money. A lot of that money could be used for some good in this country. 
A lot of the money that we give as tax breaks to the rich could go to help us in this country. So now we're at a pivotal point. We have an opportunity to take the money that in the first place was ours because the middle class are the people that carry the burden of the money in this country. The tax breaks the rich get, all of the different services and such come out of our pockets for the most part because those rich people don't pay taxes, but we do. So the money has to come from somewhere. It seems only natural that when a time comes when we middle class need something, need some help, that we should be able to access our own money to get that help and not send it to the rich people or not send it to the Defense Department. And I think Joe is in a position to do that. Hopefully he will. We're at a point, I think, that we can turn this country around, stop the Republican obstruction, utilize some of the Democrats democratic ideas you know there's a lot of things going on out there and uh, a lot of people are for it a lot of people are against it i'll give you an example they've been talking about forgiving the student loans now a lot of people are against it and they all say the same thing well i went to school i had to pay my own student loans they should just go in there and work and i get that I, i paid my own way through college my wife paid her own way through college But here's the deal. The price of college has gotten so ridiculous. It's gone up like a thousand or two thousand percent. We're setting ourselves up to fail. We've got millennials with fifty to a hundred thousand dollars in loans. They get out of school, they get a job making thirty, thirty five thousand dollars. Now these people can't even qualify to buy a house. They can't participate in the economic system. And if they can't participate in the economic system, given that there's 70 million millennials, we got a problem. Our economic system has a problem. So instead of worrying about what you paid out of your pocket for college, maybe look ahead. Maybe you're an old shitty boomer who at some point is going to want to sell his house or her house in order to live out her life or his life in a downsized situation. Well, if there's nobody that can buy your house, the price of your house is going to go down. Now you're going to lose money. You got to think ahead a little bit. You got to give the millennials a chance to do what they do. Give them a chance to prosper, to succeed, if we want this country to continue. Still, a lot of people will argue with me about this. And maybe they have some good points. But that's the kind of thing I want to talk about here because it needs to be discussed fully. The Democrats will tell you what, you, what they want you to hear. The Republicans will tell you what they want you to hear. But what you need to be here may not end up coming out of their mouths. So between us, me, and all of you, we can expose some of these things. Maybe dig down, investigate, and find out what the truth is and see what's really best for us and best for our country. It's, it's, a, it's a tough thing out there, and for decades we've been stalemated. And, and, and a lot of Republicans will say, I like it when it's stalemated. They don't do anything, and we don't, uh, we don't spend any money. Well, look, we're running a country here. We've got 300, what, 350 million people in this country. 
a large percentage of them are struggling, especially now after COVID. We've got a lot of ground to make up to get people whole again. And we need them to be whole if we want the economic system to run properly. So that's why we have a stimulus plan. This whole idea of an infrastructure plan, that should have been done two decades ago. You know, it's funny. (laughs) Donald Trump, when he was kind of talking about an infrastructure plan, he said, it's $2 trillion. And all the Republicans said, oh, that's bold. That's strong. (laughs) Now, when Joe Biden comes out with a $2 trillion uh, infrastructure bill, I go, oh, that's crazy. That's socialistic. You see what's going on here? These people are only serving themselves. They want to win, and they don't want the other guy to win. But the unfortunate part about this is when you do that, that means we lose always because we aren't getting the things we need. The infrastructure is important. It's not just bridges and roads. It's a lot of things. It's Wi-Fi. It's, it's uh, Internet. It's, it's dealing with kids and, and moms, single moms, and that sort of thing. There's a lot to the infrastructure. This is needed to be done for some time. So hopefully Joe Biden will be able to get that passed. And when he does, then we will see some improvements in our country. But we're going to see a lot of jobs, too. This is a time when we need some new jobs. I think after this COVID thing, we're going to see a big change around in the economy and jobs. I think we're going to see more jobs with green energy. I think we're going to see more jobs with the infrastructure. I think we're going to see a change in uh, health care. Now, for the longest time, everybody said, oh, no, we don't want socialist health care. Well, the fact of the matter is every industrial country around us has single-payer free health care, except us. And we are paying ridiculous amounts every month for health care. My wife and I alone are paying $1,300 a month for health care. Now, we spent most of our life working in places that gave us health care, but even then we were paying a lot of money. So it's ridiculous to imagine a millennial, or, or a boomer for that matter, have to pay a big chunk of their income to a mortgage, a big chunk of their income to health care, and a big chunk of their income to tuition loans. There's just not enough money for it. We're setting up those people. We're setting ourselves up for failure. And we just can't do that. We can't keep stuffing the rich people and taking away from us. Because, see, what happens is they're like a dog when you feed them too much. They will eat and they will eat and they will eat until they explode. They don't know when to stop. They will eat until it's a disaster. And that's what these greedy bastards, these rich people, these corporations will do. They keep taking money and taking money until it breaks. And trust me, when people don't have money and can't buy anything, it's going to break for us, but then it's going to break for them. And then at that point, they'll say, oh, oops, we had no idea. And now it's scurrying around trying to figure it out. We can't let that happen because that would be disastrous to this country and horrific for the people in this country. That's why it needs to be fixed now. We need to straighten out the priorities. We 
to take care of the people who carry the burden of this country. And that happens to be the middle class. So I'm hoping that's what Joe Biden does. And we're going to see a lot of arguing and debating about it. But I get the sense that, like I say, we're at a turning point. People are finally seeing that what the Republicans were doing was doing us no good. And I personally think that Joe Biden is looking to build momentum. I know AOC said, yeah, we should have $10 trillion for in- infrastructure. And I think Joe Biden kind of had a plan for this. He made it $2 trillion, knowing that he's going to need more. But that $2 trillion basically cancels out the $2 trillion um, tax break that Trump gave the rich. So it's really not raising taxes for anybody but the rich, and it's really not raising their taxes. It's just taking back our taxes. Remember that tax break? They got it permanently. We got it temporarily. We don't have the tax break anymore. So why should theirs not be temporary? So Joe was able to do this $2 trillion, or hopefully will be able to do this $2 trillion, without changing anything for the middle class and putting the rich people back where they belong. But I think Joe has a plan, and I think it's about momentum. He did the stimulus bill. It passed. It did some good, and people are loving it. He'll do the infrastructure bill. It will pass. It will do some good, and people will like it. So the next bill and the next bill and the next bill will become steadily easier. It's going to be harder for Republicans to fight against it because the whole country will love it. Joe's got four years to pull this stuff off. And when he does, he's going to do it methodically. I mean, it's great if you come in and say, I'm going to do an executive order. We're changing everything. But he wants something that's going to stick. He wants something that's going to perpetuate after he's gone. And that's exactly what we need. We need better, cheaper health care. We need an infrastructure bill. We need help for people who are in need. We need opportunities for people like us and the millennials and the Gen Xers. Because if we don't have opportunities, there's no growth in this country. And the only way we can keep this country going is if there is some growth. Because we got more and more kids coming. We got to have a direction. And whether it be technology or or renewable energy or whatever it is, we got to kind of grow. I mean, I've got a granddaughter who's one year old. Now, I don't know what her future is, but I'm going to fight like hell to make it as good as possible. We got Donald Trump trying to hype up the coal industry. Now, I realize there's a lot of people working in the coal industry, and I realize that it's tough for them, too. But let's be perfectly honest with you. The future is not coal. The future is renewable energy. So we need to be getting ready for that sort of thing. So these young kids will have jobs. These young kids will have opportunities to have energy and health care and those sorts of things that they can afford so they can still be a player in the economy, still be able to buy things. Because you see, it comes down to that. We middle class, if we can't buy anything, everything falls apart, including for the rich people. Why they don't foresee that, why they don't have the foresight, I have no freaking idea. But they don't. They're just like a greedy dog eating as much food as they can get. And when it all falls apart, well, okay, I'll just go poop in the yard. 
It's fucking ridiculous. Or you can tell that the uh, Rational Boomer podcast will be fun. (laughs) We're already 40 minutes into this thing, and uh, I can talk forever. But I'm not going to do that. I'd like to keep it at about 40, 45 minutes, basically so that uh, it'll cover you through a, a commute or something like that. I see some of these podcasts going on for hours and hours and hours, and uh, it gets boring after a while, and it gets stale, and that's not what I want to do. At this point, I'm thinking I'll do a couple 40-minute podcasts a week. Now, depending on the listenership and the interest and all that sort of thing, maybe I'll do more a week. Maybe I'll do longer shows, but it'll all be all about you and uh, the listeners and what you want. I'm really in a position as far as time and my ability to talk. I could do this every day for an hour and not even blink an eye. It wouldn't be hard. There's enough stuff going on that we can talk about. And you're smart enough to uh, inspire me to talk about other things that we could do this every day. And actually, maybe at some point we will. But as we're starting out here, I don't want to overdo it. And I don't want to get get, uh, too dull here. This show might be a little dull. Because this show is essentially an introduction to what we're doing here. Give you a little idea of what I'm about, kind of the things we're going to talk about. And then starting on the next show, we will get into the shit, the news of the day, and what's happening. And again, I encourage you and I uh, ask you to please participate. Uh, What's the old phrase? Subscribe, like, and whatever. I'm never going to beg people to subscribe, and I'm never going to beg people to like. I might mention it from time to time. I think it's, in fact, I think it's in the uh, outro of this show. But it's all up to you. If you feel compelled to subscribe, do so. If you want to like, by all means, do so. If you don't, that's fine. You're still welcome to come and listen. We're here for everybody, and uh, I'm looking forward to this venture. It's something I think uh, we can all do a little good with. And that's the bottom line here. People say, why do you speak out? Why do you keep talking? Nobody's listening to you, and you can't do any good. Well, I don't know that unless I do it. And if I can influence enough minds, maybe I can do some good. Or better yet, if I do this and attract enough listeners, that will give us some power to maybe do some things that would cause some change, improve things in this country can't say for sure that that will happen, but I don't know. So we just got to try. I want to thank you for listening to this first introductory show and let you know that we will have uh, uh, regular normal shows talking about uh, all the things that are happening in the world. I have some stories about my life, which are some crazy shit. I love telling stories. I love hearing stories too. If you have stories, send them to me or call me or whatever you got to do and We will put them on as well because I think everybody has interesting stories. So you have yourself a good night. Thank you for listening to the debut program of the Rational Boomer Podcast. Thanks for listening to the Rational Boomer Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. We'll see you next time.